Hi everyone, this is Fran Penberthy here and today's Bible study is going to come from Mark chapter 9. Now I actually find this story a massive encouragement for those times when you feel like things have been going really well, you know, you've been trusting God, feeling peaceful, maybe stepping out in faith and then the next thing you know, everything's gone wrong, everything's hit the fan and you don't know what the heck is going on anymore. That's the kind of day that the disciples are having here. And also in this story, we find that Jesus is having struggles of his own and we learn from him how he handles that. There's some really key points for us to pick up from this passage. So this is Mark chapter nine and verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they couldn't. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the floor and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, asked Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. So the first thing I want to just point out from this story is that the disciples in this story are already struggling with their emotions, I believe, because Jesus has gone up the mountain for his transfiguration and he's taken his three favourite disciples with him. So the remaining disciples are already trying to handle that, that they've been left behind while the three favourite ones are taken off for a special time with Jesus. Now add into that, they're getting surrounded by this crowd. There's this man, desperate, desperate father who's brought his son to Jesus to be delivered. He finds that Jesus isn't there and he's got to make do with the disciples. The disciples do act in faith. They don't say, well, form a queue and wait for Jesus. No, they, they try to deal with the situation themselves. Now, they had absolutely every right to do that because a few chapters before, Jesus had sent out the 12 and had said to them, I give you authority and power to drive out all demons. So bless them, these disciples are doing what they've been told to do and they're doing it with faith. They, they deal with this boy, but it doesn't work. And then that bad situation descends into a worse one as they get surrounded by this crowd. Everyone's shouting and arguing. The scribes are arguing with them. The father's desperate. The boy is trying to kill himself. It's mayhem. And they haven't got any answers. They don't know what to say. And in the midst of that, Jesus comes back into the story first thing I want us to pick up is that they run to him overwhelmed with wonder and this is what we need to do when everything hits the fan and everything goes badly and we don't know what the answers are we've got to switch our focus back 
to Jesus. And we've got to cultivate again that wonder. Jesus, my Lord and my King, my loving Saviour, you've spoken words over my life. I believe your word more than I believe what my eyes are seeing. The situation looks bad, but I take my eyes off that situation. I've placed my focus back on you. I trust your word. You told me I had authority over demons. I'm going to look to you and I'm going to cultivate that wonder. Now, Jesus comes back into that situation. He sorts it out. He delivers the boy. The next thing that the disciples do that is worthy of our attention is that afterwards they come to Jesus with a really valid question. They say, teacher, why didn't this work for us? That's what we should do. When we feel like we've been motoring in faith, we've been praying for the sick, we've been you know, speaking about the gospel to our neighbours, and then things have gone badly wrong, we would do well to come back to Jesus with that wonder, bringing back our focus and just say, Lord, what happened in that situation? Is there something I can learn from that? Is there anything you want to speak into me through that situation? And Jesus is so good at just explaining to them, no, actually, there was just something you missed here. This kind only come out with prayer and fasting. There's no accusations. There's no guilt or condemnation. There's just something added to them that they didn't know that is going to go into their arsenal now for when they face similar situations in the future. So the disciples, I think, do quite well through this. Now, Jesus also is having his own issues that he's having to deal with because he's just been up on that Mount of Transfiguration. He's had that glorious moment where he is, for that brief moment, not confined to his earthly body anymore. The glory from all eternity is bursting out of his flesh and being seen by those three disciples. That must have been a wonderful moment for Jesus, a mountaintop experience for him. And now he's coming down from that, he's probably still feeling the wonderful effects of that and feeling great in that moment. And he comes down into this mayhem. And when they explain to him what's happening, he expresses how he's feeling. He expresses the frustration and the disappointment that is rising up in him. It's like that mountaintop experience is gone now and this is what he says. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? This is what we can learn from Jesus. He does not suppress his emotions. He doesn't dampen them down and pretend to be all loving and kind on the surface. That is damaging and will make you ill. No, he's honest about his emotions. He voices them and he expresses them. But crucially, the next thing he does is that he acts in the opposite spirit. Now, if he'd acted on his emotions, he'd have gone off and had a pity party. He'd have been off in a huff. He would have told his disciples, not bother me for a while, I need time to get over this. No, he acts in the opposite spirit. He immediately looks for who can I serve? Who can I be kind to? And so he says to the father, bring the boy to me. And he gives that little family his time and his attention and his love. He asks questions. He listens to the answers. He's seeking discernment from the father of what needs to be done here. Once he's got that discernment, he serves the family and delivers the boy. Wonderful, 
wonderful example to us of what to do in those times when our emotions scream at us to have a pity party. He goes and he serves and he's kind and he's gentle. And then when the disciples come to him with that question, Lord, why didn't it work for us? He gives them his patience, he gives them his long-suffering, he gives them kindness and gentleness. He displays all the fruit of the Spirit to his disciples and he gives them kind instruction. So this, this so blessed me when I dug into this passage and I hope that that has blessed you and equipped you for those moments when everything goes wrong. So that's it for now. Thank you so much for listening.